Does anybody know Dan Gookin? Heard that name? Dan Gookin. You will in about six seconds. 23 years ago, a computer guy by the name of Dan Gookin published a book called DOS for Dummies. Oh, now I know. There you go. Uh, It's about how to make the most of your personal computer. And Dan's friendly and funny style uh, kind of demystified the technical world of personal computing, and his DOS for Dummies uh, was transformed into a template for an entire series of topics. And so now, you know, if you go to dummies.com, you can find all of the four dummies products. It'll It'll show you how to cook, how to garden, how to manage finances, how to run a business, how to plan a trip, how to exercise, how to eat right. Four dummies. It's, a very, it's, it's exploded. If you don't like the colors black and yellow, if you're a blue and orange person, you can go across the other aisle and get the Complete Idiot's Guide series, right? It's very similar. The Complete Idiot's Guide to Bike Repair, Auto Repair, Backyard Farming, Pregnancy for Dads, the complete idiot's guide for pregnancy for dads, for dog training, for chemistry, for aquaponic gardening. Who knew? Between these two brands, uh, there are over thousands and thousands of titles, practical, down-to-earth, easy-to-get guides to help take the sting out of life. To help take the sting out of life. And in a way, that's what the book of Proverbs is about. Today, we're beginning a new series from the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is not like the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew tells the story about Jesus' life. There's kind of a narrative arc to the Gospels. and Proverbs is not like that. Proverbs is a curriculum. Proverbs uh, is a parenting manual. Proverbs was mainly taught by parents to help their children grow up. And so Proverbs is a, a course of study for the school of life. And Proverbs contain a series of pithy, witty, one-sentence stingers They're not ironclad promises, mind you. Rather, Proverbs describes how life usually works, how life generally operates. And if you have your Bibles, I just would have you turn to the book of Proverbs. Uh, So take your Bibles and just open up right to about the middle of your Bible, whatever Bible you have, and then you'll probably find the book of Psalms. So then just turn one more book and you'll find the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. And Proverbs can be organized into three chunks. All right? And let's just thumb through the book of Proverbs so that you get acquainted with it. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 is sort of the introduction or the prelude, uh, introductory material, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Many of these Proverbs are attributed to 
Solomon. And then beginning in verse 8, all the way through to the end of chapter 9, are what you would call a father's counsel to get wisdom. And so notice chapter 2, chapter 3, chapters 4, 5, 6, 7, all begin with my son. My son. You see that in your Bibles. My son. And then chapters 8 and 9 just describe the the blessing of wisdom. That's chunk number one. And then from Proverbs 10 to the end of Proverbs 22 are these pithy, witty, one-sentence stingers, proverbial statements about how life works. And then, and and these are uh, generally attributed to King Solomon, all right? And then when you look at chapters 23 to, say, the end of 31, what you'll find there are just miscellaneous instructions and and proverbs uh, by other sages. Uh, King Hezekiah had a collection of Solomon's proverbs, and so we'll see that in this portion. So 1 through 9, Father's counsel to get wisdom. 10 to 22, sentence proverbs. Um, attributed to King Solomon, and then 23 to 31, kind of a miscellaneous section of instructions in Proverbs. So, uh, like Four Dummies and the Idiot's Guide series, these Proverbs are simple, very practical, very down-to-earth, and it's meant to take the sting out of life. So, let's just get acquainted with a few of these Proverbs, uh, beginning, uh, I've got them on your screen, Proverbs Chapter 20, verse 4, those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at harvest. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Any questions? Yeah, it's just right out there, isn't it? And then there's Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. A gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. Now, what part of that isn't clear? It's just straightforward. And then Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. To learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. So, can you be corrected? Can you listen to correction or review? Or does your inner lawyer have to rise up in your defense? I think one of the most interesting Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, verse 5, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Uh, So which is it? Well, depends. You get the point? See, sometimes getting into an argument with a fool makes you look like one too, especially if it's silly or trivial. On the other hand, sometimes you have to silence foolish speech with sound truth, lest others buy it too, right? So, you know, so how do I know which is which? How should I know what I should do? Well, it's not always easy to tell, is it? It's not. And therefore, you need something that will help you. You need need equipping. You need a skill. You need a gift. 
a gift. And, and it's a gift which one pastor and author calls the best question ever. The best question ever. It is the question that I would like every person in this room to master for your life decisions. It's a question that serves as a lens through which we can evaluate all of the options in our life. It's a question that serves as a grid that will give you context for every decision you will ever make. It's a question that will keep you from acting impulsively or rashly. It's a question that will give you new perspective on your love life and your career and your finances and your family and your schedule. It's a question based on the verses we find in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And that's where I'd like you to turn. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. It's 529, page 529 on your church Bibles. And just follow along with me as I read Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. And do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. And when you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. This is God's word. Uh, did you hear the word? Did you hear the word that will give you traction for life? The word that will keep you from slipping and losing your balance? The word that if you are, need to make a decision, it's a word that cuts through the fog of indecision. It's a word that appears in Proverbs 4, and it's repeated throughout Proverbs. It's the word wisdom. Wisdom. Pursue wisdom. So the word is wisdom, and the best question ever is, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? It's the best question ever. It's a question that could have helped our nation's former CIA director. He was highly intelligent. He's hardworking. He was in the top 5% of his class at West Point. He earned a PhD in international relations. He's credited as the principal author of our country's counterterrorism playbook. It's called the Petraeus Doctrine. 
And he had an immoral relationship with his biographer, which the FBI discovered through Google. And it led to his resignation. What was that about? Well, Keith Stanovich knows. University of Toronto professor Keith Stanovich called that dysrationalia. Dysrationalia. He coined the term. Dysrationalia. The inability to think rationally despite having adequate intelligence. Dysrationalia. It's why really, really intelligent people fall for Ponzi schemes. It's why really, really smart people take mortgages out that they cannot afford. It's why really, really bright people marry people they have no business marrying. Dysrationalia. And, 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 and Keith Stanovich says that, that dysrationalia, someone who suffers from dysrationalia has what he calls, I love this phrase, contaminated mind wear. And someone with contaminated mind wear will become, another choice phrase of his, some, someone who has dysrationalia has contaminated mind wear, and that will lead him to become a cognitive miser. In Oklahoma, we call it stupid. And the term that Proverbs uses, the term that Proverbs uses is folly. Folly. So throughout the book of Proverbs, we see this. We see the enemy of wisdom, and the enemy of wisdom is folly. Folly. And folly will lead us to ask the wrong question instead of the best question. Folly will lead us to ask a, even a good question, but it's not the best question. Many, many times when it comes to decision-making, we ask a far less helpful question, and it's the question, is there anything wrong with it? Is there anything wrong with it? And, and the thinking is, if there's nothing wrong with it, then it must be okay. And so we take our decision that we need to make, whatever it is, and we go to the Ten Commandments, and we line up the top ten against the decision that we need to make, and if there's no thou shalt not buy it, then we assume that we can, and everything will be all right. We think, well, if it's not illegal or immoral or unethical, then it qualifies as a live option. And unfortunately, what happens is that when we ask the question, is there anything wrong with it, we'll almost inevitably begin leaning toward another question that drives far too many of our choices, and that question is this, how close can I get to the line between right and wrong without actually doing something wrong? How close can I get to sinning without actually sinning? I ask that question as a 17-year-old dating. I asked that question when I was on Weight Watchers growing up. And in the U.S. of A., people make a living ask that que- asking that question on behalf of their clients. 
And so unfortunately, is there anything wrong with it is followed by how close can I get to it, which is followed by how, over, how far over the line can I cross it without suffering consequences? How, how unethical, how immoral, how insensitive can I be without suffering any unmanageable outcomes? How long can I neglect my family or my finances or my professional responsibilities without feeling the effects? How, how far can I indulge in addicted behavior without becoming addicted? Is there anything wrong with it? Usually leads to the last question, how did I get myself in this mess? That's why it's not the best question ever. Is anything wrong with it? Is anything wrong with an alcoholic meeting his friends in a bar? Is anything wrong with a gambling addict moving to Las Vegas? Is anything wrong with a diabetic owning a candy store? Is, it anything, is anything wrong with a four-star general going on long runs with an attractive biographer or granting her an unusual amount of office access during the day? Well, of course not. No, no, not. It's not. None of these are wrong. None of these are immoral. None of these are sinful. It's just not wise. It's just not wise. The best question ever is, what, what is the wise thing to do? And somebody may push back. Oh, pastor, you're just a prude. You're just a prude. Okay, I'll own that. All my shirts are button-down collar shirts. <laughs> you know. Could I just... Let me just toss this back over the net underhanded. It's just that in each of those situations I just described, those involved knew the dangers, but they thought they were the exception. So the assumption was if it's not technically wrong, then it must be okay. You see what we're learning about wisdom? Wisdom is not the same as godliness. It's not. It's wisdom, it's not less than godliness, but it's so much more than godliness. Think about it. It's not, it's not enough to be moral or godly. It's not. Each year we take a missions trip to the Dominican Republic, and we go as Americans from a Midwestern University community, 110,000-ish. We go to another culture, and you know it takes more than godliness to be able to help and support our brothers and sisters in Christ in the DR. You need insight, you need understanding, you need discernment, you need instruction, you need the skill of doing the right thing. You need the skill of knowing how life works. And you need the skill of knowing what to do in light of knowing how life works. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is a spiritual skill. Wisdom is the spiritual skill of knowing and doing. It's not enough to know. Wisdom is the knowing and the doing of the right thing. It's the, it's the spiritual skill of knowing how life works and what to do in light of knowing how life works. Wisdom. Pursue wisdom, Proverbs teaches us. And, and in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, we read of a father's words to his son. And what the father is saying is, son, Here's what grandpa taught me, and I'm passing it down to you. 
And he calls wisdom the perfect bride. Wisdom is personified as a, 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 the perfect bride and, and the father pleads with his son, son, marry that girl. Marry her, love her. Verse eight, embrace her. You see that? Literally that word means cuddle with her. Cuddle with her. This beautiful bride, wisdom. And why? Why? Because wisdom will keep you. She will guard you. She's got your back. She will exalt you. And, and she will never, ever cheat on you. Ever. Wisdom, the spiritual skill of knowing and doing the right thing. Wisdom is all throughout Proverbs. And so, and so this beautiful bride wisdom gets me thinking about really important questions like, you know, how should I organize my affairs or track my time or manage myself? Uh, wisdom encourages me to ask, you know, whom should I employ or who should I work for? Wisdom calls me to questions like, you know, what's the proper dinner etiquette with a CEO or a company president or a high-ranking government official? Wisdom advises me. Wisdom says, hey, you know that good lady that you want to get to know and maybe enter into a courtship with? And Does she talk too much? Or, or what about that handsome man who is so cheerful in the afternoon? Is he bearable in the early morning? And do you want to deal with that? Huh? The book of Proverbs deals with every one of those circumstances and situations. <laughs> what is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing? What about that friend who is always dropping by my house and won't leave. What's with that? Proverbs explains. Wisdom. What's the wise thing to do? It's, it's a question that exposes so much about our hearts and our motives. Have you ever spent money that you wish you hadn't? Have you ever bought a car that you wish you never had? Have you ever accepted an invitation that you had no business accepting? Have you, have you ever... Have you ever been in a relationship that you should never have entered into? A phone call you never should have returned. Contracts that never should have been signed. Partnerships that never should have happened. And you see, some of these decisions embarrass us, but others scar us. And it's one thing to make four payments of $19.99 on something that's only worth $19.99. But it's a whole other thing to have $30,000 in credit card debt. It's one thing to be on the wrong Park District basketball team. It's a whole other thing to marry the wrong person. And here's the deal, church. Nobody, and I mean nobody, plans to mess up. But few plan not to. Nobody plans to wreck their marriage, but few take precautions that guarantee as long as we both shall live. Nobody plans on raising irresponsible codependent children, but a bunch of parents don't plan not to. Wisdom 
It's the spiritual skill of knowing and doing the right thing. Now, I found that there's three very helpful versions of this question. What is the wise thing to do? And one version of this question is this. In light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? So your personal history makes you more prone to temptation in some areas than in others. So what's safe for some may not be safe for you. There are activities that others find it very easy to walk away from while you're prone to overindulge. There are certain types of people that you have no business spending time with. Being around them triggers something unhealthy in you. It's not immoral to hang around with them. It's just not wise. It's just not wise. And you may protest. You may say, but pastor, if I walk away, who's going to reach them for Christ? And my answer is this. Somebody else will. In light of your past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? The second version of this question is, in light of my present situation, what is the wise thing to do? In light of what's going on in your life right now, you know, as you think about your frame of mind, as you think about your emotional state, as you think about even your physical health, what's the wise thing to do? As you think about your current responsibilities and commitments and those things that maybe a year from now won't be a factor, what's the wise thing to do? As you think about the current status of your finances, what's the wise thing to do? Life is seasonal. What's appropriate today may be completely inappropriate tomorrow and vice versa. In light of my past, in light of my present, yes, in light of my future, in light of my future dreams, in light of where you want to be 10 years from now, what's the wise thing to do right now? You've got dreams for where you want to be financially a decade from now. Okay, wonderful. What do you need to start or stop doing financially now to get where you'd like to be 10 years from now? If you desire marriage, what's the wise way to conduct your relationships now? What are you doing that has the potential to rob you of your preferred future? What do you want to tell your future spouse about your past relationships? If you're married, you know, your dream is to finish life together. Okay, well then what options do you need to take off the table? What's out there that could detonate your dream? What precautions need to be taken? What's the wise thing for you to do relationally? What about your children? In light of how you see your relationship with your children when they're teenagers or where they're in college or married with children of their own, what's the wise thing to do right now? Right now. What practices would you be wise to incorporate into your life and into your parenting repertoire? Where do you need to reprioritize? You see? You see how all-encompassing this question is over the course of your entire life? It, it never goes out of style. It applies to young, midlife, old These questions explain why Proverbs chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 speak of the way of wisdom or the path of uprightness. So wisdom is a beautiful bride. Marry that girl. Wisdom is a path, a path, a way 
a journey. And what do, we, what do we do on that path? What do you do once you get on a path? You walk, right? You walk one step at a time. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. So, so much of the way of wisdom is simply being where you're supposed to be when nobody's looking. You're doing your job out of the spotlight. Nobody's watching. Nobody's checking in. It's repetitive, consistent, constant, day by day, unfailing, unswerving, and over time, you grow wise. You grow wise. Our world would have you believe that wisdom is a door to discover. Right? Find the door, open the door, walk through the door, ta-da, I'm wise. That's not what this says. This says that wisdom is a way. It's a path. We walk it left, right, left, right, left, right. What is the wise thing to do? Someone may be thinking, but what if I don't know? I mean, what if I really don't know the wise thing to do? Fair question. Fair question. Verse 7 tells us, Ask, ask. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. Ask. Wise people know what they don't know, and they're not afraid to go to those who know. They don't kid themselves. They don't pretend like they're smarter than they really are. They know their limits. They know what they don't know, and they seek to find someone who does. That's why if you turn to Proverbs 1, verse 5, In the prelude of this curriculum, this school of life, you will read, let the wise hear and increase in learning. So one of the assumptions is this. Wise people don't know everything there is to know. Wise people always need to be learning. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Ask. And I'm so grateful for James chapter 1, verse 5. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. That is a promise. You ask You ask, God, I need help, I need wisdom, I need discernment, I need insight. And you ask, not so that he can give you the wisdom and for you to evaluate it, but for you to act on it. God never, ever, ever is miserly about giving wisdom. He loves it when we ask. He wants us to ask. He's waiting for you to ask. Ask him. Ask him. See, the best question ever is, what is the wise thing to do? The next best question is, is to go to a wise person and say, what do you think is the best thing for me to do? See, You ever stopped and thought about the irony of multi-million dollar athletes having coaches? Think about it for a minute. Why, why would a guy who can hit a golf ball from 200 yards out to within 10 feet of a four-inch hole Why would he need need advice from an older fellow who may not even be able to see the hole? 
You know why. You know why. Professional golfers know that they're never going to reach or maintain peak performance without input. He needs a coach. He needs another set of eyes and another source of insight. What do you think is the wise thing for me to do? It's so insane. It is. We follow our gut feelings into marriage relationships or business partnerships, and then we cast our lot with lawyers when leaving those very same relationships. How much pain would we avoid if we sought wise counsel early on instead of putting so much stock in our gut feelings? After all, Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. The best question ever is, what is the wise thing for me to do? The second best question ever is, what do you think is the wise thing for me to do? Pursue wisdom, Proverbs tells us. Spiritual skill of knowing and doing the right thing. I asked my wife, honey, what do you think is the wise thing to do to conclude this message? And she responded, what is the wise thing to do today? Today. When you get home, when you see your children, when you see your family, when you do whatever it is you do on Sunday, what is the wise thing to do right now, right now. Right now, where is your walk with God? Right now, where are you on your journey of faith? See, your, your willingness to ask the best question ever is really based on your willingness to make the best decision ever. And it's, it's so wonderful that in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18 It says, wisdom is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Wisdom is the tree of her. Wisdom is life. You've got wisdom, you get life. And centuries later, a rabbi from Galilee said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. You find me, you find life. I will never cheat on you. I will lead you in paths of righteousness. What do you need to do to take your next step in your walk with Christ? What is it? Maybe you need to make him the king of your heart and life. And it starts by saying, I am not wise in my own eyes. Jesus, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom. I'm going to give you some time to do business with God during communion here in just a moment. Some of you have made Jesus your king, and you, you know, your next spiritual step is something as simple as baptism. That's why we're having Baptism Sunday and the family swim at the Y on the 19th of October. That's why we're offering a baptism class that you're invited to attend right after this service, over, right through those doors there. What's your next step that you need to take? Jesus says, you find me and you find life. Jesus is wisdom in the flesh. 
So see, ultimately, Christianity is not about a curriculum, but it's about a curriculum in the flesh, and his name is Jesus. And the decision to surrender to the cross, well, that's folly to earthgoers. But I tell you, it is wisdom to the kingdom of heaven. The cross is the foolishness to the flesh, but it's the wisdom of the Spirit. It's nonsense to the mind of man, but it is the brilliant splendor in the heart of God. Wisdom or folly, you choose. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Church, pursue wisdom.